0: Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kesedchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Amen. Let me welcome all those online and again, all the new guests. My name is Danny. I am one of the pastors I'm going to be sharing with you today. Uh, we're closing out our Out Loud series and I, I loved it. it. It went longer than I thought because we had much more impact than I thought. It was supposed to be just sort of a fun series talking about how to live your faith out loud. We talk so much in church about how to, how to process internally, about how to feel and how to perceive and how to go before God in the quiet times. But, but how do you actually live out loud? We started off with this verse in Second Peter. So I'll start off right at the top. I'm going to read it down just so everybody's sort of caught up. Uh, around what we've been studying. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, he writes this. It says, His, this is God's, divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, an out loud life, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by by evil desires. This verse basically is beckoning us, is calling us to live our lives in such a way that we proclaim the blessings of God upon our lives and so live our lives different than the corruption in this world and the things in this world that cause us to feel small, that cause us to feel quiet, that oftentimes cause us To to really reflect on how how much of a battle do we want to fight in our social life? How much of a battle do we want to fight even in our home life? And and so we can feel defeated. This verse says that God has given us every great and precious promise. He has given us everything that we are called to have or need based on the desires of Christ. And all we have to do is, is ask. All we have to do is proclaim. We have been offered all that we need. To live out out loud lives for Jesus. Christians have everything. I'll put it on the screen. They need for life and godliness and so have been empowered to godly living. If you are not living a life that that you you know internally is, is godly, then that reality might be in relationship to how much you're relying on the promises of God in your life. Not how hard you're trying. It might be that you're trying as hard as everybody else, but you keep failing and keep falling and keep sliding and keep maneuvering and keep spinning everything inside your world because your world is not built upon the promises of Christ. Your world is built upon yourself, your moral compass, your worldview, these things that you can control and these things that are far too weak to be successful very long. If we want to live our lives out loud, we first have to base our lives upon the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks of these gifts, these gifts we build our lives upon when he shares this story that we've turned into a children's tale, uh, something we tell kids because the picture is so visual, but I think it's profound for us who are really asking what it means to be a Christian and live a godly life, and it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine, the words, by the way, that I just spoke, so you count as Everyone. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone, you all qualify as this everyone as well, who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice that both houses were completed. I think oftentimes in our lives, it's, we base success on the completion of a project, not what the project is actually founded and built upon. So we'll build a home, and build a life, and build a career, and build a reputation, and I think many of us build our faith. But if our faith is built upon the promises of our own success, our own discipline, our own ingenuity, if that's what our faith is on, then one day when the world comes in and presses on you, which it will, it says that your faith, your family, your foundation will crack. But if you build your life upon Jesus Christ, if you build it in the same way that everybody else builds, but, but with a focus that is his promises, those earlier verses, that is through his strength, that is through his story for who you are, then as the world comes and shakes, guess what? Suddenly your family is solid. Suddenly your story is solid. Suddenly your faith is solid. We know, of course, that sand equals your way and stone equals Jesus' way. It's really that simple. All the children in the room got it right away. The rest of you are like, well, could I do some sort of composite, a little bit of him, a little bit of me? I'm sure there's other ways to build houses. I mean, I could get a house boat. That way, when the water rises, I rise with it. This is, this is not the point of the story, folks. It's for you to spin your way out of it. I'm into condos, seven floors up. No water's going to get to my life. Again, you're missing it. The point of the story is, is your worldview and is your person built upon your Values, which are changing and eroding all at the same time? Or are my values built upon the person of Jesus who is the same, always has been, and always will be? One of my favorite theologians, Charles Spurgeon, the man to, uh, to, to whom I love to quote as much as I possibly can, said about these things and about the way the Christian lives. He said this, As you have seen the mason take up the first stone, And then another and then gradually build the house. So are you Christians to take first one virtue and then another and then another and to pile up those stones of grace one upon the other until, and I love this, you have built a palace for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. He's a smart dude. He says you build it slow and you build it right. And you build it how Jesus asked you to build it. And suddenly you will find yourself living a life you couldn't possibly imagine. 2 Peter lists those virtues, those stones, and that's what we studied throughout this series every single week. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 follows the earlier passage we just read in 2 Peter, and it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, and then he gives you these pillars, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. These are the things we're to be building into our lives. These are the things that God says you should be evaluating about how you're doing. I just want to encourage you. I sat with a a, a couple. Uh, they were actually an older couple, but they had uh, a couple young kids, and they were sharing about uh, the raising of their young kids, who I think were only two or three years old at the time. And uh, they were sharing about the difficulties just raising kids, and how how this child's so much different than this child, and so forth. And I remember that that I when when Aaron and I first had our uh, our son Gabriel, uh, he was such a quiet and well behaved child that people used to ask us for parenting advice. And we were so naive, we gave it <laughs> all the time. We gave it all the time. We used to, I mean, he was so well-behaved, I've shared this, that we were at a different church, another set-up and tear-down church, getting up off the ground, and he wasn't listening well or something, and I sat him on a couch in the lobby, like one of these couches out here, and I said, you stay here till I come back and get you. And four hours later, I couldn't find him after we had loaded all the trailers and finished the service, and I come to realize I never checked him into kids. I didn't know where he was until I remembered I told him to stay on the couch till I came and got him, and there he was just kicking his feet on the front of the couch. Quietly waiting for me. I was so impressed with myself. <laughs> I was like, this is the kind of father I always wanted to be, the kind of person I always wanted to be. People would say, How'd you do it? I say, listen, it's things like this, consistent bedtimes, lots of eye contact. Speak to them like they're like they're that they're older than they are. Just love on them and 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 listen to them. And people were like, Okay, I'll try it. My kid's just crazy. And I was like, that's okay. It's okay. And then I had daughters two of them i had a redhead uh-huh It was like jesus was like watch this that's what he was like and then i had a little blonde blue-eyed toehead and both of these both of these girls were uh they weren't like gabe at all i actually got confronted by people in the church who said we want to give you this book on how to be a better parent it's a true story asked my wife we've highlighted some passages we feel like maybe if you could just invest a little more time we we flew to another country with those girls and our son we spent a year overseas and uh, in the airport our our little blonde decided she didn't want to go on the plane and so at three years old she threw herself to the ground and began to yell i don't know you you're not my parents three years old true story See, when you base your life on behavior, even the behavior of your own children, it's a rocky foundation that doesn't last. So don't base your life on other people. Don't base your life on, 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 on things you do well because it's all seasonal and it always changes. When you base your life on the person of Jesus, then whether it's a, a, a obedient, beautiful son or a disobedient daughter... You can love them all the same because of who God has caused you to be. This week, we're going to close the series with the very next verse in this passage. It's 2 Peter 1.8, and it just kind of encompasses all those things. And this is what it says. It says, relating to all those things, those, those building blocks, those foundations that you're supposed to add to your life. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge and in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe everybody wants to be effective and productive. Everybody wants to be uh, somebody who, who does something with the life God has given them. We talked about that during the very first opening of this series. We want to be people who use what we're given and accomplish. But it says that in order to do that, you have to possess these qualities In increasing measure. That's why it's underlined right there for that's exactly what it is that I want to talk to you about. It says that if you continually add these things, those foundational things Spurgeon talks about, to your life, you will be more than just a temporary house to shelter and survive in, built upon sand, but you will be a forever home to be successful, productive, and effective with, and it makes it a promise. It says this is what will happen. But what I'm learning, as I spend most of my time with Christians, and I get to dabble with with non-believers as much as possible, but I spend most of my time with Christians, is that most Christians are just trying to get themselves enough over the bar to accomplish the bare minimum. Now, I mean this respectfully, but I mean it honestly as well. Most Christians are like pole vaulters. They're running and huffing, and puffing, and their entire goal is just to barely eke over. And then once they do, they raise their hands in the air, which is, which, is, which is this sense of accomplishment as they fall back down to reality. My goal is to get to church three times a month. Yes! Woo! My goal is to just get my kids raised up and married, and yes! My goal is to just get through Rooted, which is one of our discipleship programs, and then I'm going to move on from discipleship because I did that. My goal is to read a verse every single day. Yes! Over and over and over again, we talk to people about how we barely meet the bar. again, I don't mean it disrespectfully. I just want to be honest and make sure we're all talking about the same thing in the same way. Because it's true. I know. I'm that guy. I, for some reason, live a life that wants to achieve something, but I don't want to just blow past this thing that God has laid in front of me. I just want to do the best I can to get over it. I just want to do the best I can to accomplish whatever it is in my mind is successful. And therefore, I will claim productivity, effectiveness, efficiency, and I will live the life God has called me to live. But if I was authentic, I'm going to try this out on 9 o'clock. If it doesn't work, we're not going to do it at 11. I promise you that. <laughs> if I was authentic, if I was authentic, I would confess to you right now that sometimes I just don't want it bad enough. And that's why I don't strive to, to reach this higher place, this place of, of, of more submission to my God, this place of more value to my family. I just want to figure out what it is based on my community that I have to accomplish to maintain the status quo, maybe get over it just a little bit. I don't know oftentimes if I really want it like I should. Paul says in 1 Philippians 3.12 that he wants it. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Well, that stinks. Right away, Paul's about as religious and righteous as I know, and he's like, man, I'm just not there yet. Uh. And he says, because of his view, I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is a really interesting introspective that Paul is having on paper vulnerably with everybody. He doesn't say, I want it because I want it. He says, I want it because Jesus wanted me. Paul does not say, because I am secure, I coast. He says, because he made me his own, I press on to make it My own, it being the productive life, the efficient life, the effective life, the fruitful life. It's a real biblical and Christian way of saying it. Paul longs for perfection. He longs for fullness. He is dissatisfied with his present state. His contentment that he preaches about over and over and over again, if you were really to put it within the context of everything he says, is really, as Piper says, a dissatisfied contentment. Paul is, and I'm going to go out on a ledge here, Paul is spiritually ambitious. Now, I know that goes against everything that we're taught in church because we're not supposed to be ambitious. We're supposed to just take whatever God gives us, and that's what we have. Whatever God gives us is enough. Whatever God shows us is enough. We are content, we are satisfied in all that he gives us. And that's really all we do. We just sit on the floor and we raise our hands and we say, Jesus, we love you, give us everything that we need. And then we hold close to the things he provided for us, the blessings of our life, and we sit in utter gratefulness to him. And I think that's valid. But I think as we've been learning here inside this church, there is a both and. To almost everything in scripture. There is a both end to everything that Jesus comes and does. This is part of the reason he was crucified, because he couldn't be black, right? And pagan like the Romans, and he couldn't be white and self-righteous like the Pharisees and the Jewish people. He's some sort of both and some sort of gray posture in the middle of all these things. And he's like, Yeah, you need to honor these things, but you also need to reach lost people. They're like, What? You can't even look at lost people. And honor God. Nah, you can look with them, eat with them, talk with them. Also confess to them what's going on in your own life. You can be convicting to them. What? What about the Temple Mount? What about all the rules and regulations? Like, yeah, all those are important. But if they're not reaching and bringing life to people, then why are they important? Over and over and over again, we've taught the church to set down its ambition. We've taught, I believe, the church to set down its real drive to accomplish, and yet that's exactly what Paul says, I am secure. Even I, or he says, I'm not secure. Look at the verse again. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already made perfect again, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I don't know anybody more effective, more efficient, more productive than Paul. Anybody. He wrote more books than anybody. Like, that's a pretty awesome bar. What's your life goal? I want to write more books in the canon of Scripture than anybody else. Whoa! And after you do that, you're going you're to have made it, right? Ah, I think I might have to press on. Where does that come from? And why is that not part of our language? Why is that not part of our story? Paul's contentment is a dissatisfied contentment. He knows that in Christ he has every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. This doesn't change. He says it in Ephesians 1, 3. We already read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He's not saying I'm going to earn it. He's not saying I'm going out to, to add more to me. He doesn't say that because he also knows that, yes, Jesus has blessed us with all those things. But he also knows that his experience of these blessings is not as full as it could be. Yes, you can sit on the ground and receive all the blessings of God, but wouldn't it be better to receive the blessings of God while you're protecting people who are lost? While you're reaching into the darkness, proclaiming the light? Did you realize you can receive the blessings of God while doing something? You don't have to just come sit on your hands and meditate. You can strive for the sake of the kingdom, he says in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, have in the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope, he says, to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Paul knows that there is more to experience of the hope of our calling and the glory of our inheritance and the greatness of the power at work within us. He knows there is more than just simply sitting back receiving and somehow proclaiming that's all the effort God has ever asked of you. As long as we live in this age with its sin and pain, our contentment in God should always be a dissatisfied contentment. And so he says in 3.14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Why wouldn't Paul just say, I already met Jesus. He blinded me and then gave me eyes. He changed my, ni- my name. I'm good. Like if Paul's not good, how are you so good? When did you get to this place? When did I get to this place that that what I've accomplished and what I've done and what all God has done through the blessings of of only him is is okay? Where I no longer really have to push or, or strive or try to accomplish. Paul says, I don't want to just build my house on stone. I want to build a castle on stone. I want to build something profound. I want to build a life that houses many people. That loves many people. I want to be something more than just a receiver of the kingdom. I want to be who God has called me to be. And to do that, I have to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. A Christian whose foundation is built upon stone instead of sand, knows that there is more strength of the spirit for the inner man. He knows or she knows there is more to know of the indwelling Christ. He or she knows there is more breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love to discover, and there is more of the fullness of God than he or any of us has ever experienced, and if that's not on the tip of your tongue at all times, then I just want to let you know you may have fallen into the same trap that I think I have, which is that I'm good. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. My house is built on stone. It's not a very big house. It doesn't really help as many people as I think I could. But you know what the reality is? I'm content to just be who I am in Jesus. And oftentimes that means I don't have to risk this beautiful house that I built. Because Jesus would never want me to do that. Jesus would never want me to step into the unknown where I have to rely on him to accomplish something I never have in a way I never experienced. In this way, Every believer whose contentment is really from the Spirit of God, I believe based on the Bible, should be a dissatisfied believer. And I know it's risky, and I know I've never preached it here, and that's why if I don't get a good response, we won't preach it at the 11. (laughs) See, my God is full, but because my God is full, I am dissatisfied that I have not shared better the fullness that he's brought me. I am dissatisfied with with so many things in my life, I'm dissatisfied within my story. I'm not the dad I want to be. I'm not the husband I want to be. And I don't say that to, to proclaim that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm terrible at these things. I say it to let you know. I hope I'm never just at this point in my life where I'm like, nah, I'm a good enough husband for her. Meh. Yeah, I'm a good enough dad. I got him raised. You know, everybody lived. I'm pretty sure I figured it out. And the rest of it all just wing. I should be dissatisfied with the person that I am for my kids to an extent. Not to an extent that it causes me to reach into other things within the world that I can't build a foundation upon, sandy sources. But I should be dissatisfied in the sense that I am constantly calling out to God for more blessing and for more uh, uh, provision and for more protection because I am out trying to be all that he's called me to be based on everything he's given me. Yes, Christians do have everything they need for life and godliness. That's what 2 Peter says. And they are empowered to godly life. But they will never one day, at least they shouldn't, look in the mirror at the life God has built them and proclaim, Hey, guess what? My life is loud enough. I'm loud enough. I mean, I'm doing doing everything that I can do. What more is there? This is not what the Bible teaches. And this this sense that God is awakening in me is that it's not going to be this achievement. It's going to be this dismantling of Danny that is going to awaken the next step and season in his life. I think a lot of this is your guys' fault, I'll be honest. (laughs) This last Easter, uh, we purposely scaled it back. I don't know if anybody noticed. We did no marketing. I don't even think we gave you handouts this year. We didn't even ask you really to invite people. We were like, see at Easter, here's our service times. We had hundreds more people at Easter than we thought we were supposed to have. Hundreds. We prayed a prayer and met so many people in the back that came to Christ. So many people that committed their lives to Christ. And you know what I left feeling? Like, now what, God? Like, like you understand the goal has been accomplished, at least Danny's goal, it was to have a church that was healthy, not built on good marketing or not built on one person, but it was built on relationships. It was a church that just instinctively was spirit led and was willing, based on scripture and spirit, to go out into the community and make a difference. And then here we tried it without you even knowing it, and then you went and brought everybody else in. What the heck? I sat on st- in the back, and Tom's like, "What? What's happening?" And we're like, "We did it. We're done. Church is planted." What else is there? And then the whole week I was tortured by that thought. Because my own drive was accomplished last week. Like I've hit a ceiling. I have no vision past this. I wanna finish the building. That'd be nice. I wanna keep loving people. I'd like to stay married. Aaron, that's part of my plan. Be a good dad. I'm good. 41 years old, people, I've made it. I've got nowhere else to lead you because I've accomplished everything my 20-year-old, getting into ministry mind, set out to accomplish. And then I was scared to death. And I honestly built this entire message for myself, I've now come to realize, because I've realized... It's at this point that the real journey and the real dream begins to be fulfilled because it's at this point that I can openly tell you right now, I have no idea what we're supposed to do next. None. None. How awesome is that? Like how great is that for us, for you, for me? to get to a place in our stories where we don't know what else to do because God has blessed us with everything that we have. But here's the thing that I'm realizing. I am still dissatisfied. And so what I know now is that God is going to demand, he is going to demand that I continue to dismantle myself, that I continue to ask difficult and hard questions, that I continue to try to shrink this church the best I can. So that it becomes a faith community, not just a weekend concert. How beautiful is it if we can fill this place up with people who will come to understand two very important things that I think will, I hope your spiritual ambition will spark from these two things because I wrote them down for me and this is what I'm going to decide to focus on next. Two things that Christians, that I need to understand within my life and that is that as Christians we are a far... Okay, Christians will come to understand two things. That they are far greater sinners than they ever thought they were. And that they are far more forgiven than they ever imagined they could be. And those things make me so dissatisfied. Because I want to know the love of God. But for me to know the love of God, I have to know the darkness of Danny. And they just come together. Together. Because the darker I realize Danny is and the more authentic I am, the more that my love for God is poured out because he is the source of filling me up. For we are not children of God. I love this because we are worthy. We are children of God because God is merciful. God has blessed our church because he decided to bless it. But there has been a sense of drive and focus from the beginning. And all of that is changing as God realigns us and restructures us and re-blesses us with something completely different Philippians 2.12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, this is what he says to the church and what he says to you, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Stop being satisfied with the status quo of your marriage, of your spiritual life, and of your person. Be content and blessed in the blessings of God, and at the same time, realize just what those blessings through the light of Christ exposed upon your stained soul. And if you can live inside that tension, then you can remember the reasons you first came to Jesus. And so it's with that insight that it needs to be self-inventory time here at Chesed. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Let's get personal in our inventories and let's examine ourselves. Let's ask questions like, are we making an effort to actually have more knowledge of God or do you already feel like you know enough? That's an authentic question. A lot of people, a lot of people. I've had lots of people say like, well, I really need to get a church with somebody that that has an incredibly high level of education because I already know so much about the Bible. Gag. That's what I think, but I don't actually say it out loud. But I thank it. And I'm not saying that it's not true, that you shouldn't shouldn't be taught well, but the truth is the Bible is just a gateway to understanding from the Spirit all the things God wants to reveal to you. Do you pray? Truly, do you pray? Not over a meal or at night before you go to bed. Do you pray? Do you study God's Word outside of in this room right now? If I ask people to raise their hands, not going to, but I want you to feel like I might. If I ask people to raise your hands who studied God's word this week, don't do it. But I bet you it's less than 25 people in this room. Are you maturing in areas like self control? How's your patience doing? What about your relationship with other believers? How are you handling conflict? What would your spouse say is different about you in a better way this year than last year? What about your children? Your employer, your neighbors. How many lost people are you in relationship right now and loving toward Jesus? Do you think you might have some stuff to work on? Do you think maybe there should be just a tiny bit of spiritual ambition in your life that says, because of Him, I'm going to strive for more of Him? I think you do. I know I do. And so I'm choosing to build my foundation upon the person of Jesus Christ. I'm choosing (laughs) to let him dismantle whatever he's got to dismantle in my life for this next season because I'm at the end of all my own skills. And I love that he used them. But I'm really, really excited about what he's going to do with them next. And I invite you to be a part of that process. 2 Corinthians 1.20, closing verse For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter, out loud I added our amen to God for his glory. This is his plan. This is his dream. We get to be a part of it. But we need to do more than just sit there and say thank you. We need to use these skills and use these gifts and be unbelievably grateful. For you are the generation right now that God is using to reach this world and you will pass and another generation will come and I believe through the Holy Spirit they will be challenged the same as you were and I am right now to not be content but to press on towards the goal of knowing Jesus and who he is. What would it look like if we could use this thing that God has built, this this power to invite people, this power to love people, this power to to be self-reflective and emotionally healthy grateful and worshipful, what would it look like if we ran to the end of ourselves and said, God, I got nothing left. This is all that I have. I'm the best dad, the best preacher, the best worship leader, the best, I'm just the best I can be. And I know it's not enough. What would it look like for us to dismantle our lives with the hands of Jesus reach further into the unknown with him leading I think it could be amazing I think it could be amazing so that's my prayer for you that you never ever settle that you always receive the gifts that God has given you to live your life out loud and with purpose accomplishing all that he's asked you to accomplish no matter the cost for he loves you higher And wider and deeper, and with more fervor and with more passion than you can possibly imagine. I want to love him back like that. And I don't yet. One day I will. And he's going to teach me how. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord, for the personal conviction. Thank you in this room for people who are beginning to be dismantled, maybe only at the start. But God, may they stop in their contentment, in their apathy, in their sense that they are loud enough, that they are accomplishing enough. God, may they ask bigger questions. May they rest in your presence to be still, to receive from you. And we find our yes and amen in who you are as you unravel our hearts and remake them. We bring you this song. In Jesus' name.